Let us be attentive. The Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord has chastened me so holy. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. Only take care lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, a table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak man is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's falling, I will never eat meat, lest I cause my brother to fall. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Let us be attentive. said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. 
I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. What if this present were the world's last night? The English poet John Donne posed this question in, to his reader in one of his poems, in fact, in the opening line. And I offer it for our contemplation this morning of the last judgment. What if this were indeed the world's last night? Are we prepared to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? And do we truly desire his return? At the beginning of the book of Revelation, we read, I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me like a loud voice, like a trumpet. Behold, I am coming soon. Have we lost the hope and the eager anticipation of the early Christians that Christ is coming 
soon. Do we not await and long for his return anymore? Could it be that we even doubt his coming back? Perhaps we are a little bit frightful because we have not repented and confessed of our sins or lived by the commandments of God, and therefore the words of St. Paul strike fear into our hearts. What he says is, each one's work will become clear. That day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test everyone's work. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Lord Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 12. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. These words remind me of kind of a cool song, Johnny Cash's song, God's Gonna Cut You Down, where he sings quite powerfully and poetically. While you may throw your rock and hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man, but as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. So again, I ask you from the poem of John Donne, what if this present were the world's last night? Theoretically, perhaps, we confess the end of the world, the second glorious coming of Jesus Christ, the final judgment, and the future life and the world to come. But in practice, we often act as if none of this is to be expected, and we have only to make ourselves comfortable here on earth by providing for ourselves all sorts of pleasures and conveniences. Do we not remember the very opening words of the apocalypse, a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place for the time is near. And do we forget what the blessed apostle Paul wrote again to the Corinthians? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Not only should we desire and expect Christ's return in glory as we confess in the creed. But we must be, of course, prepared for this incredible event at all times, every moment, if possible. For if, for it is by living the commandments of God and earnestly praying with the whole church as we do in the petitions for a Christian end to our life, and for a good defense before the dread judgment seat of Christ. Jesus tells us in the Gospels, surely I am coming soon. Watch 
therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, we hear in the scriptures. My brothers and sisters, for we, as children of God, are not in the darkness for that day to suddenly come upon us, to surprise us, because we know what we ought to do. This has been made very clear to us. We are all children of light, children of the day, having full knowledge of these things. We are not of the night or of the darkness. But since we belong to the day, St. Paul exhorts us, let us be sober and let us put on the breastplate of faith and of love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We have all been adopted as children of God Almighty by virtue of our baptism. We here and all across the world, those who are in Christ, are the church, the bride of Christ. And we will be able with good hope and expectation of mercy and salvation to stand before that impartial judge who is to pronounce the verdict which will determine our lot for eternity. The day of the Lord is coming as a judgment for the enemies of God's divine plan, but as a consolation and a reward for his struggling children and believers. The struggling believers who see Jesus in their fellow human beings and treat everyone that way. The people that Jesus refers to this morning as the least of these, indeed, every single person we encounter. The faithful people who live the commandments of love for God and for neighbor will rejoice in that fearful day, as attested by St. Ephraim the Syrian when he describes this jubilation of the church at the Lord's return. He put it this way, the graves will open and in the twinkling of an eye, all of the peoples of the earth will be awakened and will look upon the holy greatness of the bridegroom. Great multitudes of angels and archangels, countless armies will rejoice with great joy. The saints, the righteous, and all who had not accepted the seal of the ungodly serpent will rejoice. All who had been hiding in the caves will rejoice together with the bridegroom in the eternal and heavenly mansions with all the saints unto the ages of ages. Indeed, as the scriptures tell us, not only will the bride rejoice, that is the church, at the coming of her bridegroom, but all of creation with her at the coming of God. David sings in the 96th Psalm, Let the heavens be glad 
and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of a forest sing for joy in the presence of the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. At the second coming of Christ, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, heaven and earth will be one, one eternal presence of Almighty God. Again, from Revelation, we hear, the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in the midst of it, and his servants shall worship him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or of the sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they shall reign with him forever and ever. It is this eternal blessedness for which all of us here wait. It is this eternal blessedness for which all of us here work and for which we have faith and for which we struggle. At the close of that book of the entire Bible, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say also, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, to whom be the power and the glory forever. Amen.